Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Jingwei of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Jingwei of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. It seems like you're, you're frustrated today, Adam. I, I don't like seeing my friend feel bad feelings. I'm having a day from hell, man. <laughs> it's been really bad. I'm sorry, dude. Your computer is really limping across the finish line. It's getting... There's a replacement inbound, but... Uh, yeah. You have you've got the computer that just does random surprising shit and yeah. doesn't work in ways that are very hard to diagnose. It's totally unpredictable. I'll just reset it a bunch of times and things just spontaneously change. <laughs> the last time I reset things spontaneously changed into the way that we needed them to, and yeah. now I can't touch anything. <laughs> yeah i feel like that's like a you know you're in a dungeon in zelda and you're doing one of those extremely complicated puzzles that you need to go yeah. all over the dungeon to solve and you can't like walk away from the console at that point you know like your wife may be calling you to come to dinner you're yeah. like no <laughs> my wooden sword is feeble against all of these problems <laughs> i'm sorry bud oh ben Maybe the worst part is that I broke my toilet. Oh, no. <laughs> I've been living in the office yeah. for the whole week, and then I finally broke the toilet in there. You had uh, you had some plumbing challenges with that toilet, if memory serves. Yeah. That plumber came by and fixed it, but I guess they didn't. Because oh, I'm, man. I, I called up a different plumber who isn't going to be here until Monday. When your first plumber sucks shit, <laughs> it's a good idea to call... <laughs> Another tradesman to come in and fix the damage. My wife and I were visiting her aunt and uncle in Santa Barbara, and they showed us like a wall outlet in their garage that a electrician had come and installed and like not wired up. Like they asked for this outlet to be put in, and he came and like made a big show of like having Romex and like cutting out the drywall and putting in the thing. And then, like, it just never, like, he left, and they were out of town or something when mm -hmm. it happened. They came back and, like, kept trying to use it and never worked. They called a different electrician who came, and they, they, he was like, yeah, this is just a, a wall box. Like, there's nothing connecting this to anything. <laughs> he just totally took you for a ride. Is that what happened with your plumber? And then stopped picking up the phone? Yeah. I mean, not exactly, but kind of. Damn. I mean, it's not just a, a hole in the floor... Where my shit goes. I think it's going somewhere. <laughs> it's going to a pipe. I think there's Romex down there. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember eating all that Romex, but I think it's going somewhere. Hey, speaking of plumbing, I walked out of my house today. They're they're filling in the big hole that they dug to mm -hmm. uh, install my new sewer line. Mm -hmm. I was shocked to see a cement mixer truck pouring tons and tons of cement into the street. They did not fill that hole back in with dirt. They filled it back in with cement. Wow. Doesn't that seem crazy? Like, if we ever need to service the pipe, now it's encased in cement? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be a problem. <laughs> what were they thinking? I mean, it was like, it was too late for me to say anything by the time I got out there. I, I, I came out as they were like finishing, they were like topping the hole off. Wow. 
Yeah, you're going to write your initials in that <laughs> sewer pipe cement? <laughs> well, I mean... Don't blame don't, me, I... B.H. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I might have to, just uh, just so the city doesn't sue me when they try and, you know, like, the, that's like the city lines and stuff that, that got encased. Standards have slipped, man, all across yeah. the board. Doesn't that seem like it would be more expensive than dirt also? Yeah, kind of does. Seems like you could get dirt just about anywhere, but concrete <laughs> involves a mix and a special truck and a, and so forth. Yeah, it boggled my mind. I mean, my, my inner eight-year-old was thrilled, but... Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, you, de- well, you famously want things made out of a brittle material in Los Angeles. Right, right, yeah. That's <laughs> crucial. <laughs> That's the best way to build anything here. The first failure point of your home in any earthquake is going to be... The sewer pipe, and that is not mm-hmm. what you want, sir. No. The first failure point in both of our homes, for different reasons. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, man. That's, it's like uh, we've synchronized our sewer problems. Right. Well, any, any two fellows that podcast together for long enough, eventually their sewers will synchronize. I know. I didn't expect it to happen after six years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, broken sewers right twice a day, huh? Yeah, those two moments of the day when you aren't trying to poop, I guess. Yeah, yeah very <laughs> rare. That's why I screen all my calls. Right. It's the real yeah. reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, do you want to get into this episode? Man, I, I want to cheer you up, and nothing more reliably cheers both of us up than yelling at each other about Star Trek. Well, watching other people's suffering is really going to help, I think. (laughs) It's going to make me feel a lot better as I watch Star Trek Voyager Season 4, Episode 8, Year of Hell. Part 1, Day 1. Coffee, black, coffee, black. Make it, make it, make it yourself. We've got a a cool, futuristic-looking city, and then some, like, shadows creep over it. Kind of, uh... Independence Day shadows, right? Like, this is kind of the visual language of that film because, like, for so long, like a half an hour, all you saw was the shadow. Yeah, yeah. Before the big reveal. That was good. Yeah. That, was a, that was a great part of that movie. Yeah. It all it went downhill from there just as it goes downhill for Planet Sim City final level. <laughs> as this giant ship fires on it. And there's no explosion, Ben, not in the usual sense. No, they don't seem to mount any kind of defense. Yeah, what are they doing? You gotta, like, if a ship that looks like this comes into your atmosphere, shoot something at it. It's ready to blow up your Empire State Building. You can just tell. We must launch. No, you're not going to launch nuclear weapons. You're going to kill them and us at the same time. This thing looks like it's kind of designed on the ring pop plan. <laughs> you can wear a ring around your finger. It shoots this beam. It just makes the city vanish. Doesn't look like anyone suffered. Takes you back to like right at the beginning of SimCity. Yeah. I mean, that's the level where you lay your sewer pipes up in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't played SimCity in forever. Is that what you do first? I seem to remember you want to build your pipes. I think that you can always like go into the underground mode and build more pipes. But it's it's nice to lay down a nice substrate. Yeah. To build your city atop. That way you're not creating problems down the road. <laughs> yeah, so this city's gone, and in its place, it's like a beautiful forest and a river. I think it's yeah. been greatly improved. 
Yeah, it looks verdant, mm-hmm. lush. Yeah. Up on the ship, we've got some uh, some lackeys, and we've got Kurtwood Smith. Probe the continuum. Has our target event been achieved? Negative target event, Adam. And he's yeah. like, fuck! <laughs> God fucking damn it! Ah, we were working on this math for fucking months! <laughs> I even typed in Porn Tips Gazardo. This is the worst game of SimCity in my entire fucking life! <laughs> I mean, the thing about that, Ben, is I know you love going explosive that way, but that's the thing about Kurtwood Smith. Kurtwood Smith <laughs> is a quiet storm. He really is, Which is yeah. why when he's given the report... The, the after mission report here, he's in a quiet rage. Yeah. Put it this way. When I go out on auditions, I never see Kurtwood Smith in the same waiting room as me. <laughs> we, we give different energy as performers. <laughs> Everyone's wearing black gloves on this bridge. You can tell you're a genocidal space maniac when you're on a ship with a bunch of guys wearing black gloves. I feel like even more than anything else, like there's that cartoon about like the the Nazis wearing the stormtrooper clothing and are we the baddies? I feel like if you're wearing black gloves, irrespective of anything else you're wearing. Right. I feel like black gloves say bad things. It's not a promising look, you know? You know what? I kind of want to walk that back a little bit because I feel like the the great barbecue that you and I have eaten in our lives have been prepared by cooks who use black gloves. That's the one exception. But they are committing like cow genocide. Maybe maybe (laughs) latex is off the board. We're talking black leather gloves in the workplace. (laughs) Yeah, and like the kinksters that are like playing evil in their black latex. Not the same thing. Not yeah. the same thing. So we'll give them a pass, too. Yeah. I guess maybe more than black gloves, black leather gloves, it's the word eradication. If you're mm. throwing around the word eradication in the office... That's maybe time to uh, <laughs> get on LinkedIn and put some feelers out about changing career paths. There's a very upset barbecue chef who is, like, slowly erasing a menu item called the eradication sandwich, <laughs> wearing their black gloves. <laughs> Single tier. Used to be a fan of the greatest generation. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll hear from them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anybody that stops being a fan of us likes to tell us. They're trying to do something to the continuum. These are concepts we aren't super clear about at the moment, but whatever it is they did didn't work. And the lackey in the backy <laughs> is upset. But Kurtwood Smith, he's thinking big picture. Yeah. He's going to make it so that the Zal never happened. He just converts all that disappointment into into more resolve. <laughs> that's what you do. And maybe that's a lesson for all of us. When your toilet breaks or your sewer right. pipe's wrapped in concrete, you just need to think bigger. Right. Eradicate something bigger to make yourself feel better. When you turn on your computer and your co-host's voice is coming out, the speakers instead of the headphones. Yeah. Even though the headphones are plugged into the computer. Even though the fan is inexplicably whirring as loud as you've ever heard it. <laughs> Just keep eradicating. A, yeah. always. B, B. <laughs> K, keep. E, eradicating. A, B, K, E. <laughs> Stupidest acronym in the whole world. <laughs> Where are the Zoll leads, Ben? The Zoll leads are for eradicators, Adam. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not going to get any better than that, Ben. <laughs> After the theme, we get like a really nice long zoom out of a galaxy. Mm-hmm. And we reveal that we are in the brand spanking new shiny astrometrics lab. This thing that Harry and Seven have been working on for a few episodes now. And uh, boy, this thing is, is sleek and cool looking. It is always exciting when you unveil a new technology. iMac, iBook, iPod. And this day is very special for everyone involved. This new technology in the ship salon combines Borgs and Starfleet systems into something better, allowing them to create more lift and bounce in Janeway's mm. hair than ever before. <laughs> With a shine that'll really turn some heads. It works. I mean, there's lots of new technology <laughs> abounding. Uh-huh. <laughs> this thing is gonna is gonna shave five years off their trip. They've got ten times more accuracy in their mapping capability, and they've already put it to work. They've plotted a new course. It's going to be great. Nothing wrong with this. This is a big showy scene for just covering up the mistake of not having checked the avoid freeways and toll roads box on the navigation screen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, yikes. (laughs) 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 Got to make sure your settings are correct. Yeah. My wife is a big fan of turning the avoid freeways toggle on in our car and then forgetting to turn it off whenever she's done doing whatever she's doing why do we do this man (laughs) just sabotaged at every turn she just leaves her wooden shoes right up on the dash for you right there hence the word sabotage and somehow i don't notice it when i get in and i'm like god damn it it's gonna take an hour to get there why (laughs) well i gotta follow the line (laughs) the line's there for the computer knows something I don't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not what's happening. Anyways, a little smattering of applause for Seven and Kim. These two, I mean, what a pair, right? Yeah. Hell of a team. The new course is going to fly them through the Zal system, and that doesn't sound like a problem. What is a problem is the doctor's sense of importance. <laughs> yeah, read the room, EMH. Here's the thing. like, I think a lot of people are obligated toward creating a wedding party of their best friends and their closest family members. Right. But I think it's okay if you know one of them is the blowhard. You got to put some rules in place that are like, hey, only best people can do the speeches, like two speech maximum. Right. You know? You think this is why Bill decided to have his wedding right when my wife and I are having our baby? (laughs) He sees a blowhard coming. (laughs) Bill's a smart man. He's not going to ruin his wedding. Yeah. By having it at a time I can go. Bill having his wedding in a city that is no less than two connections away from LAX. (laughs) (laughs) It's like he's doing this at you, Ben. Really thinking. Yeah, so the Zal are chill people. They're nice guys. Very human-like. Technologically advanced, but non-confrontational. Oh, yeah. So everyone's expecting a smooth-ass trip through their, their area of space. Yeah. So they head up to the bridge. Uh, this cuts off the doctor's speech, and they're getting fired at by this real dickhole of a, of a captain. This region is in dispute. You have no business in Krenum space. I think that whoever directed this episode basically told this actor, it is impossible to get too big with how you play this. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
<laughs> the Zal have no legitimate claim here. They have taken what is ours. <laughs> so silly. Yeah. And he's like the Chihuahua barking at a at a mastiff because the ship is little. It has bad weapons that don't work on the Voyager. And uh, Janeway really just brushes him off. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> I think Janeway is a captain who meets an opposition with equal and opposing force a lot of times. If this Krenim dude were even a little bit more chill, I think Janeway wouldn't be so interested in smashing him in the dick. (laughs) But she really big dogs the hell out of him. Yeah. And like in front of everyone on the bridge too, she makes a big show of it. It's a great moment for Janeway. They decide, uh, well, I mean, since these guys can't really bother us, we'll just keep going. And a few days later, they're actually meeting some Zal people. And uh, as promised, these dudes are chill as hell. This lead Zal has got real Bobby Cannavale vibes, right? I got money, you got booze. What could be simpler than that? He does kind of. Hey, Bobby Cannavale, why the long face? I'll shit you out like yesterday's sausage, you bug truck. Like the way they shoot him, he really fills the frame. They're like, so there was this guy shooting at us a few days ago, a Krenim. What's the deal with those guys? Like, they seem like real dicks. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're not wrong. They yeah. suck. They used to conquer us left and right. But, you know, we, we pushed them back. He uh, does everything besides describe them as a nuisance species. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of alien trash of the galaxy types. Yeah. And we kicked their asses. We took back all our planets. And now we're, we're in charge around here. But they still kind of wander around m- m- making a pest of themselves and it's a shame but uh you know their bark obviously worse than their bite so it's a sort Uh, of species you just kind of wrap in concrete and bury in the street (laughs) never to cause a problem again yeah do you think that's what happened did they roll a body into that pit before i came out there is that why they poured concrete in there i mean it's the best way to hide a thing yeah nobody's gonna dig up that concrete no Fuck. You'll be long gone by the time they do that. What if the street directly in front of my house is a murder scene? Doesn't sound like your problem, man. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> I mean, that's city property out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the inspector signs off on it, what else What else can you say? You're only responsible for the bodies on this side of the property line. <laughs> And I have taken responsibility for those bodies. Yeah. The meeting they're having is interrupted by another Krenum vessel, and their conversation with it is interrupted by a big spatial distortion. It's coming from a Klingon moon called Praxis. Yeah, it is a very familiar looking wave, huh? It really is. You know, steering her into the wave does no good when that wave is a time wave. It doesn't, yeah. So this shockwave comes from the Zal homeworld, and as it passes, the Zal ships disappear, the Zal guy disappears, yeah, and the Krenim vessel gets like twice as big. It's it's a a bigger and scarier ship, and when it starts shooting at them, it actually does some real damage. Yeah, I mean, that's because the conditions on the Voyager have done changed. It's kind of a yesterday's Enterprise effect. Yeah, except for Janeway's hair is identical. (laughs) 
It would have been great if they turned Janeway's hair into Tasha Yar hair from yesterday's <laughs> Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, just totally slicked back. Yeah. A lot of changes, Lieutenant. A lot of changes. That would have been good. The Voyager is messed up. There's debris everywhere. One thing about this change is that no one's aware of it. There's no Guinan on Voyager. Weren't meant to know each other at all. This completely wipes their minds, and this is day four of being hounded by the Krenum. They're like begging this guy to stop bothering them instead of big-dogging him. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Slutsker. (laughs) He's back. (laughs) I feel like he's one of our faves. (laughs) He's like one of the old-school character actors on this show. He, He normally plays Ferengi. Wow, man. Well, it's multiple looks... Ferengi, Ferengia, like Fer... F-E-R-I-N-G-A-E. <laughs> Ferengi? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe it's, it's, maybe it's Ferengus. It's like the opposite. <laughs> I like that one better. Yeah. <laughs> this Krenum Commandant is not taking any shit. He seems extremely hard to work with. Yeah, he wants to seize their vessel, and he's like, yeah, if you don't surrender now, I will kill everybody in the process of seizing it. But if you do surrender, I won't execute you. So uh, that's a a pretty nice option. Yeah, Janeway isn't down for any of this. She chooses battle. She wakes up in a new reality and chooses violence. Yeah. And she describes this as the week from hell. (laughs) I mean, she doesn't even get into what happened with her plumbing. Yeah, I mean, I... Her toilet's probably fine at this point. (laughs) Check back with her in day 32. (laughs) Need some toilet passage of time. Tuvok is describing why these weapons go right through their shields, and it's because they're in a state of temporal flux. And they're talking about really serious damage that's taking place all over the Voyager. It doesn't matter what kind of torpedo it is. If it goes right through your shields, it's going to do some damage. And they don't really have a defense for this. It's like... Every time they shoot one at us, scan it real good is basically their only strategy right now. Yeah, and and run away is what they decide to do at this moment in time. We cut back over to the Krenim super ship. Where Kurtwood Smith lives. And uh, (laughs) his background bootlicker reports that destroying the Zal homeworld did the job that they were going for completely. Like, complete temporal restoration was the goal, and it looks like they did it. Yeah, I mean, complete in this guy's view is 98%, and that does not suffice for Kurtwood Smith, who is, uh, he's got a lock of hair in like a Lexan box. Are you familiar with horseshoes or hand grenades? (laughs) Obrist? This Lexan box that he's holding has a lock of hair in it that it feels very like Mr. Freeze. Soon we will be together once more. His motivation is based entirely around restoring some lady. And if there's a lock of hair in Lexan, then presumably whatever they did didn't work for that. We don't know that yet. It could be a a beloved pet. Mm Mm-hmm. I am glad that you called attention to it being hair because I feel like the contrast in this episode was such that I really couldn't make out what it was. Oh yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but it looked like it it looked like a little lock. Huh. Or a piece. Some people right. call it a piece of hair. Yeah. I call them locks. 
Maybe it's a lock of his own hair, and his, enti- <laughs> his entire mission is to restore the hairline timeline. I, I'd love to see that late night television commercial. Hi, I'm Kurtwood Smith for the Krenim Imperium. Look at my full lustrous locks. At the Krenim Imperium, we can restore any head to having a full head of hair. Anorax wigs won't come off, even underwater. <laughs> I'm not just the president, I'm also a client. Very personal mission for Anorax. There's a shot of Kurtwood Smith coming up out of a pool and shaking his hair dry. Yeah. (laughs) Kurtwood Smith, God, just one of the great faces of all time. Really does have good face. Uh, And more of it. (laughs) He's got a big face. (laughs) (laughs) I got this big old face. (laughs) (laughs) he's very curious about one particular colony of the krenum and this guy's like yeah no like nothing that far out got restored we're talking about like the main bulk of the krenum imperium that got restored and he is pretty pissed off at that and he's like scolding his little his little lackey for being too too two-dimensional in his thinking Mm mm-hmm and he says something about, as long as we stay on this vessel... We have all eternity to accomplish our mission. And I just watched that wash over the lackey's face and decode it for, you're not getting a vacation yeah. <laughs> until the job is done. That sucks. He made a pretty strong point. A perfect timeline is the enemy of a good timeline. Mm. That doesn't really seem to move Kurtwood Smith at all. No, that's why Kurtwood Smith is a boss, and he's just a lackey. Yeah, yeah. I've got to get that latinum. Put your latinum where your mouth is. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful No matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. 
That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Day 32, Adam. Yeah. Now the plumbing is really fucked up. Yeah. We get a nice long tracking shot past some toilets put out into the hallway. (laughs) (laughs) Every one of them busted. It's really the classic plumber's lament. Yeah, it looks like the street I used to live on in there. You got to believe that porcelain's a thing of the past in the 24th century, right? No one's putting a porcelain toilet onto a starship. I mean, you see a little later a a little porcelain teacup break. It's too fragile for bangers. You know, interesting that they get hit with that shockwave and then the teacup breaks like totally later in an unrelated incident, which that's not how Praxis explosions work in my experience. I know. Are you kidding? Voyager is looking haggard, and like every exterior shot that we see of the ship illustrates this passage of time Yeah. in a really shocking way. It's fucked up. We never saw the D this fucked up, you know? Like, we only saw the D explode. Right. The D was never bedraggled. We lack the technology to bedraggle. <laughs> I mean, they had the technology, they just didn't have the money. Yeah. They, they could have made a bedraggled D model. You think so? I would have loved to see that. When the big exhibit came to the Skirball Center here, Yeah, they had the, the D shooting model, but they didn't have a bedraggled D. When your D is bedraggled, you'd really need to start taking it easy. Yeah. <laughs> Strap it up if your D's bedraggled, you know? Even the good news has bad news in it in this scene because they're like, cool, the Krenum ship's vulnerable. But what are we going to do in terms of firepower? Like, torpedo launchers aren't working. Phasers aren't working. The plan they come up with is kind of gravity dropping the torpedoes onto this Krenim ship like a bunch of pellet shit's been. And it works. A a type of shit that you hate to take. But uh, that's all the Voyager has right now. I feel like that's what destroyed my guest room toilet. (laughs) You you dropped pellet on it? Did you come over and use it? When I wasn't paying attention? (laughs) I'm sleeping in here. How would that be possible? 
I can safely say I've never pooped in your house, Adam. I'm shocked by that. I am too. I poop everywhere. <laughs> you do. You're very comfortable. I'm with unafraid doing that. of pooping. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is all happening while the doctor is being forced to evacuate Six Bay because there's some kind of energy surge there and they can't spare the engineering manpower to go fix it. So down on deck five, he is shepherding people through the ship, trying to get them out of deck five because deck five is soon to become uninhabitable. And this is only exacerbated by the explosion of the Krenum ship, which drops a massive banger on Voyager. And now he's only got 30 seconds to get his people to safety. It's a pretty rough ride at this point. Yeah. We get that moment that we often appreciate in a submarine movie where you're fleeing to escape a compartment that's about to be submerged, or in this case, explode out into space. Now seal a goddamn bay before we all go down. How pissed would you be to watch a invulnerable hologram Steve Zanyu, though? That's what's so fucked up about this is like... I feel like the doc could have helped these guys and then thrown his hologram transponder into the door. Oh, yeah. In such a way that would have saved his own life and the two guys. Yeah. Can he take that thing off and throw it? <laughs> or does the well, act I of guess, taking it off make him disappear? I think I think that one, but maybe one of the two people could rip it off of his shoulder in right. order to save his life. I don't know. Unclear, but uh, yeah, he, he has to seal the, the bulkhead so they get exploded. Deck five, we see from the exterior as deck five just like goes all the way to hell and the captain marches off the bridge in disgust. Coffee alone isn't going to hold this ship together. The effects on this show, I think, have really come a long way. I think this shot in particular yeah. was really cool to see the destruction kind of racing in a linear way through this single deck. It really helps yeah. you understand. Like, it's one thing to hear a bridge crewman, like, call out a deck and a area that's being damaged. But then when you cut to the exterior and see exactly where it is and what's happening to it, I don't think we see enough of that. I thought the same thing. It's really cool looking. And it's like ejecting the warp core. Like, we've heard this yeah. mentioned so many times on Star Trek. And this is the first time we're actually seeing what it looks like for an entire deck to get taken out. Yeah. Back on the bridge, Janeway's banger hair is just especially fluffy at this point. <laughs> and the entire bridge looks like one of those abandoned shopping malls you see sometimes mm, in a blog right, that's being right. explored by some neighborhood kids. Like, shit is down <laughs> all over the place. Khan would be right at home yeah. lying around in here. This used to be a Sears. <laughs> I shall avenge you. Janeway's like, all right, well, now that that's done, I'm going to go take a break. Yeah. I guess. I'm going to put my feet up. If I can just clear off some of this debris in my ready room, I'll have some place to put them along with my teacup. She has a little tea set. She has a lucky teacup. And while she's setting this up, Chicote's like, so how about we just ditch the ship? We split up. We go our separate ways. Maybe a lot of small targets will be confusing to the Krenum, and uh, we can meet up when we get to the other side of their space. Captain, there's a story that a tribal elder used to tell me about when my people were having a house party and the cops showed up. (laughs) The best way to flee was to kind of scatter in all directions. That way... 
they couldn't get all of you. <laughs> Janeway does not like this idea, and Jacoté no. Day in, is like, oh god, thank god, I, yeah, I hate that Chakotay idea too. It's a like bad it either. idea. <laughs> Why did you even say it, Chicote? I like the idea of him just being like, well, I guess my job is to like offer. This is the problem with working with clients. Like you never offer a client the the choice that you personally hate because they yeah. always choose it. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, but Chicote doesn't work with clients. Yeah. He's in an organization, you know. It's true. But I suppose the same goes for like your boss, right? You don't offer your boss the project that you don't want to do. Yeah. I think now is a good time to point out that Janeway isn't the only one with passage of time hair. Chakotay also has it. Yeah. And uh, render under Chakotay all that is Chakotay and his Caesar haircut at this point. <laughs> yeah. Chakotay is like combination of Caesar haircut and increasing mustache stubble in this is amazing. His stubble? looks awesome. I know. I don't know why he doesn't rock it from this point forward. He looks so good. I'm so fucking jealous of this stubble. Do you think the Riker character kind of took beards off the table on Star Trek for a long time because of the unfortunate comparison? Right. Especially if you're a first officer. You can't be a bearded first officer and not get compared to Riker. It's too bad because Robert Beltran really really has it good in the facial hair department. It does. Meanwhile, in a turbo lift, Kim and Bolana are stuck and they're doing trivia hangouts mm-hmm. while they wait to get rescued. Uh, I thought this was a really nicely written scene because you don't realize how badly injured Bolana is until they've done a few trivia questions. This was another scene where my contrast was all fucked up. Could you tell what was happening right away? I'm, maybe I need to turn up the brightness on things. Yeah, maybe so. There's like an exterior shot of the top of the elevator, mm-hmm. which was the only thing that placed me in space. I would have thought that the ship would have subscribed to the don't use an elevator in a fire type of theory that large buildings have. Yeah. Like, Doesn't it have any of those angled Jeffrey's tubes like yeah. the entrepreneur does in Strange New Worlds? We got to give that thing a name. We really do. Maybe it will have a name on The Greatest Discovery by the time this episode airs. God, I hope so. If it does, whoever edits this uh, mm-hmm. episode, just just drop that in. Drop it in right here. <laughs> I really love how Seven of Nine rescues them with a crowbar and then her bare hands. Mm-hmm. And she has the answer to the trivia question that BLT didn't. Yeah. I did too. Did you have it? Yeah. I couldn't believe BLT didn't know the Phoenix. It's funny that BLT doesn't want to do movie trivia anymore. And then the follow-up question is in its own way, movie trivia. <laughs> nice little writing joke there, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So she's real fucked up. Up on the bridge, Paris and Chicote are introducing the captain to a new idea for making like bulkheads that close all over the ship to, to stop air from rushing out. Oh, yeah. These transverse bulkheads. It seems like they should have been part of the design of the ship from the beginning, but they're just doing it now. It sure seems that way. I wonder if there is something like that, but it's just used in a different way or called by a different name. It's inspired by the Titanic, which is ironic, but uh, they addressed that in the scene. Paris was inspired to uh, come up with this invention after drawing BLT like... One of his French girls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Captain, I want my heart to go on. <laughs> yeah. 
Right after that, Seven of Nine is crawling around in some Jeffrey's tubes when she finds an unexploded chroniton torpedo. If that thing explodes, the entire ship will be destroyed. Yeah, this thing is a real throb. I feel like they addressed this in that Kess episode where she was traveling backwards through time, right? The, yeah. the unexploded torpedo. But they got all their memories erased when the when the wave hit them. That's right. So that's why they don't know to look for it. So none of that knowledge is going to help here. Yeah. And Kess is no longer here. Is it the same prop used the same way? I don't know. Yeah, I wonder what the history of this was, whether they knew that they were going to write a Year of Hell arc at some point, or if they took inspiration from that episode when they got to the writer's room for season four and were like, hey, this would be kind of fun. I don't know. We'd, we'd have to do research to fully grasp this. Seven is like ready to dig in them torpedo guts, but Tuvok yeah. tells her to leave it <laughs> because he's on the way. Speaking of digging in them guts, Paris is stopping all of the internal bleeding on BLT as he uh, helps the EMH do triage. It looks like they've maybe moved the hospital to Neelix's restaurant, which doesn't seem to be functioning these days. Right. The EMH is, is really touchy about the way Paris is administering medical care. Emotional detachment is essential. Otherwise, you risk impairing your judgment. Am I making any sense here? Once the doc starts to tell his story, everyone around kind of rolls their eyes like, God, another doctor speech. Jesus. <laughs> Someone please save me from this. <laughs> what Paris gets out of him is that he's sad from having had to Steve's on those crew members. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's actually him that's emotionally attached. He's feeling more feelings about these two crew people than the daughter he killed in the holodeck <laughs> not that long ago. I always wonder, like, what's going... Like, when the word gets up to the bridge when those two crew members die, Jadeway's not like, which two? I feel like she knows everybody's name on the ship, right? There's like only 150 people. There aren't that many people on the ship. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. Two crew members were killed in the breach. Uh, two expendable crew members? Oh, good. Mm. <laughs> mm. Tuvok and Seven of Nine are back inspecting this torpedo and figure out that if they do nothing, it'll, it's going to explode in two minutes. Yeah. And Seven of Nine is pretty adamant about scanning it with what little time that they have. But Tuvok orders her away and gets in between her and the torpedo when it finally goes off. It kind of looks like that's just going to take them out. Two crew members were killed in the breach. It sure looks like a fatal amount of fire that heads their way. But, I yeah. mean, Seven does get a bit of information here. Yeah, so the next scene is day 65 and it's a little bit ambiguous at first because the captain's log says like nobody died today in the attack but mm -hmm. that wasn't the thing we just saw blow up that was that was like days and days ago right so we don't know for quite a while whether tuvok and seven survived that was almost 20 days ago yeah what do you make of the vanity of keeping the captain's log system functional while all other systems on the ship could probably really <laughs> use that power <laughs> I mean, maybe she's just writing it out longhand in a notebook at this point. <laughs> I don't know, Cap. 
<laughs> you make some yeah. pretty tough sacrifices later. I think it's time to go ahead and switch off the captain's log system. Yeah, because like half the ship is uninhabitable. They're they're on like emergency rations. People are sleeping on top of each other and just totally wrung out. Everybody just looks like absolute hell. Yeah, morale's pretty rough. Where's the chief morale officer? He's like giving out emergency rations to people. Yeah. Also, it's Captain Janeway's birthday. Chakotay remembers. He remembers when Janeway doesn't. He gives her a watch. A watch he may or may not have been keeping in his ass the whole time. Yeah, I mean, where else would you keep an uncomfortable chunk of metal like that? Yeah. Those damn dirty (laughs) cranum. Keep the mitts off of it. (laughs) I was with your father. And a bunch of Zahn in a Krenim <laughs> concentration camp. You don't do your walking enough, man. It's good. You get a good walking. It's not good. I'm embarrassed how, by how bad my, my walking is. And now, because c- it's your birthday, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> it was Zal, not the Zahn. Janeway wants none of it. She's like, yeah. you know what this watch represents? Another five-minute captain's log I could have recorded. Get it out of here. I could have gone into the holodeck and used one of the the maestros jack-off machines (laughs) for a long time. (laughs) It's Sato. With a watch and a chain that long, the best I can do is tie it around my neck while I diddle. (laughs) Yeah. Chakotay seems really hurt by this. I mean, he's, he's like trying to make excuses. He's like, I replicated this way before the year of hell started. Yeah. And she's like, year of hell? Jesus Christ, we're only like three months into this. What are you talking about? Is that where you expect this to go? <laughs> That's so pessimistic, Jacote. Go fucking throw this watch in the replicator. And leave me alone. Elsewhere, it's the single brass instrument of straight blade shaving <laughs> in two box quarters when he gets a beep at the door. You're going to cut yourself if you try and shave without soap. Yeah. Soap is a crucial part of this equation. You need a lubricated face for this work. Yeah. He's just like dipping a scary-ass knife into water. He has a sink full of more lubricant than is on his face. Like, water (laughs) would really help here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's finishing up his shave. It becomes clear that he is blind. He doesn't mind that the mirror is all smashed up. I mean... It's an interesting reveal, right? Because Seven of Nine shows up in his quarters because it's time to work, and you think it's a conversation between two people about ready to clock it in. Yeah. But it's clear by the end that Seven is kind of a nurse and a guide for him. Another scene that sort of reveals the damage that's been done in a kind of interesting way, a lot like the scene between BLT and Kim earlier you think tuvac would be pissed if he were able to see how unburned seven of nine is like seven of nine <laughs> looks great she's like the only person on the ship that doesn't have like dirt and crap all over her face yeah her she's hair like looks perfect perfectly lit <laughs> she's like walking <laughs> in a spotlight at all times <laughs> yeah it does seem really unfair you know what Something shitty has happened to Seven of Nine. She's living with Ensign Brooks, who is a total pig. You're talking about how hard this has been for her. Seven's like, God, I wish I was blind sometimes. Living with Ensign (laughs) Brooks. Leaving all her shit everywhere. You know, she'll come out of the bathroom without makeup on. Woof. (laughs) Neelix is right on cue here, showing up wearing a uniform. 
Yeah. And he updates Tuvok on some really minor bullshit. We're just about done rebuilding the internal security sensors, and we're ready to program the audio signal. This does not seem to rise to the level of a chat. He's finally gotten his wish of being on the security team, and yeah. he's he's making it a fucking pest of himself yeah. because of it. Seven is talking about this shielding thing that she's been working on, that based on the data that they got from that unexploded warhead... She's cracked the code, so they're going to go down to the deflector array to do some more work on it. But they get split up because another attack commences and Tuvok's got to rush his way up to the bridge. So just Seven goes down to deflector control. How does he get there? Because Tuvok depends on Seven to walk him around the corridor. And then we see Tuvok arrive on the bridge alone. Well, he's like feeling his way along the wall the whole time. I feel... Yeah, but like on an undamaged ship, I think that's possible. But there are girders <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, his hands must be shredded from just like touching. Yeah, raw, twisted metal that's like jutting out of bulkheads everywhere. Yeah, he also has like tactile controls for all the weapons and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. How does he aim? I, I wanted to see that man. This is like Gene Roddenberry's joke about the blind man as the helmsman <laughs> in season one. TNG, like uh-huh. Tuvok's the blind weapons officer. He's the yes. blindfolded shooter. Who made that man a gunner? I mean, they don't have much to shoot, so yeah. it's, not, it's not like he actually is like trying to bullseye these guys. It's really more about shields than it is about weapons at this point, right? Yeah. Seven manages to get the shields up and the first Krenum shot misses, but the second hits them and the shields hold. How about that? This one moment of success is sufficient for Janeway to be filled with confidence. <laughs> so she hails the, the Krenum ship to announce that we figured out your entire deal. So you might as well just leave us alone now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's basically what happens. They yeah. don't respond and Voyager continues on their previous course. <laughs> cool. <laughs> When they don't respond, Janeway makes one of the great facial expressions in Janeway history. Yeah. <laughs> they head out, and as they're flying away, another shockwave comes in. And to them, this is the first shockwave, but we know it's not. Right. The crystal ship with Kurtwood Smith on it Ooh, has shot this planet Garinor. This planet was dirty as hell. When, when, the, when it gets hit with this ray... It goes from being brown to being green and blue. The Garinor were not good stewards of their planet, much like humans in the 21st century. Message! Now, this is time genocide, Ben. Yeah. Because it basically wipes all Garinor everywhere mm-hmm. off of the map. Oh, you think you're good at genocide? <laughs> you're doing genocide that relies on ships not having time shields. That's laughable to me. Back when I was doing genocide, I did it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> One hoosnock at a time. I mean, I snapped my fingers, but, you know, if you could subdivide time at a high enough resolution, you'd see that it really was one hoosnock at a time. I did genocide walking uphill in both directions. <laughs> you'd never understand the struggle. It was a beautiful... <laughs> poppy-colored hillside in Malibu that plunges down into the majestic Pacific Ocean. But it was still, I mean, it was an ordeal because, you know, walking uphill, very tiring. Especially for a man of my advanced age. 
I really tend to find a favorite song and play it once and play that song over and over and over again. And lately it's been, that don't impress me much. And that is really the Krenim theme song, if you ask me. I wonder if I could get a clockmaker to uh, make me a music box. <laughs> this is the scene where Chakotay is rocking that stubble. Yeah. And uh, just kind of want to live in this scene forever. Yeah. So handsome. Yeah. Really doing great. There are three things to remember about being a starship captain. Keep your shirt tucked in. Go down with the ship and Kurtwood Smith is given the word that this did not have the result that he was looking for because the Krenim ship outside Voyager is now back to the pipsqueak ship with weapons that won't hurt. Yeah. But it seems like their time shields have protected them from this wave. And I was wondering, like, if they hadn't had those shields up, would the Voyager have been fixed? Like, would the Voyager have gone back to good? Yeah. Or would the Voyager have dissolved? Yeah. Like those ships from the beginning. I don't know. Like the Zal ships. Is that what they? why they were called Zal? Because they dissolved? Yeah, I think so. I think we can be sure about that. <laughs> I think we should decren them because uh, they seem like real assholes. Who's having the worst year? Kurtwood mm. Smith or Captain Janeway? Because yeah. this did not go as expected for him. No. The no. entire Krenum Imperium has been reverted back to a pre-warp state. They were at 98%. Now they're at 0%. If you're Obrist right now, you just have to be seething. It sucks. And it seems that Voyager is what fucked up the calculations. That time shield that they figured out totally threw off everything that right. Kurtwood Smith was working toward. So they go ahead and set a course to intercept Voyager. It's going to be a couple of days because of how far away they are, but they're pissed. And in the astrometrics lab, this day 70, I believe, Janeway and Seven of Nine start to work out the collapse of the Imperium because they have a record of the size of the Imperium from before and they can like compare the before and after the shockwave. These colors appear to have changed size. Is that giving us the information that we need here? <laughs> it would appear that when it comes to the Krenum flag, those colors do run. <laughs> The main unanswered question here is, what is the deal with that shockwave? And Janeway starts to work it out. It's like they're rewriting time. Yeah. When you take the Gariners off the map, it changes the size of the Krenum space. It also moves the Nexus ribbon a little bit. There are consequences. Yeah. It's a bad look. Causality paradox is the thing that Janeway thinks is at play here. I love it when people in time travel stories talk about how annoying time travel stories are. Yeah. If we start talking about it, then we're going to be here all day talking about it, making diagrams with straws. Yeah, it's that false modesty of like, I'm not usually good at this. I, I could be totally wrong about this. I've always kind of gotten the vague sense from my Star Trek watching over the years that Brandon Braga had a lot to do with introducing lots and lots of the time travel stories to mm -hmm. the franchise. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he was one of the credited writers on this episode. And I kind of feel like Janeway is like my proxy in his episode yeah. <laughs> when she says this stuff. <laughs> they don't get a lot of time to think about this because the Krenum time weapon ship rolls up on them. Yeah. And that uh, shot like looking straight down on the like totally fucked up Voyager. Yeah. 
and then the the way bigger Krenum ship obscuring it. Very yeah. cool. I mean, you almost get a Independence Day style shadowing of Voyager here. Yeah, I wonder if they thought about just using a, a saucer shaped ship for for the Krenum time ship. Yeah, why not? ID four was a huge movie. Yeah, it's a big deal. She's a beaut, ain't she? Kurtwood Smith wants some information, so he wants a 10-meter-by-10-meter chunk of hull and a couple of members of the crew. And his ship is advanced enough that that's like a snap-your-fingers-and-it's-done kind of deal. Yeah, it's easy as hell. Chakotay and Paris get abducted right off the bridge. Not Chakotay. Not with that beautiful mustache. Ah. And they just start shaving him immediately. <laughs> yeah. They disappear from the bridge and then it goes down to Tuvok's quarter and and you see his, <laughs> his razor beam away. No! <laughs> <laughs> Kurtwood Smith has that calm affect of someone who knows he has the upper hand here and states pretty flatly, look, it's not you, it's us, the Krenum. And we know this isn't your fault. You're giving me the it's not you, it's me routine? But we got to take you off the board here. It breaks my heart to do it, but I got to do it. There's yeah. this lock of hair. It's a whole thing. I mean, if there's going to be a choice between you and me, I'm choosing me, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. You got to do it. He chooses himself. Yeah. And they light up their beam weapon and start hitting the Voyager with it. And their shields are holding initially, but, you know, they're like, this is going to push us out of space and time. And that's not good. Mm-hmm. That's not where we want to go. That's probably where, like, those uh, Species 42069 guys live. I mean, it's weird, right? The way it, this is described makes it seem as though it is not death that is imminent. Like, pushing them out of space and time could mean a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem good. No. <laughs> No, but I mean, for a moment, I was like, they're going to get put into the place where everything else has been put as if like the weapon is moving them out of time and then gathering them in some different space and time altogether. Yeah, in like purgatory somewhere. Yeah. They realize, though, that the time weapon ship is so fucking big that it maxes out at warp six. So if they make a run for it, Kurtwood Smith won't be able to chase them. Neither the ship nor Kurtwood Smith himself is very aerodynamic. (laughs) Yeah, Tuvok is like, Captain, I must remind you that if he pursues us, his head is so wide, (laughs) his face so full on it. You ever put Kurtwood Smith in a wind tunnel? (laughs) (laughs) So they warp away and uh, we see like just chunks of Voyager flying off into space as they do this. And like easily flying off. They're an overripe ship. It's not good. Yeah. The last scene is Janeway giving a speech to the remaining crew. Uh, Hey, so we're going to do that bad idea that Chakotay had earlier. Yeah. We're going to split up. Everyone has been ordered to board an escape pod and leave. And like you see Neelix turn and walk away toward an escape pod and everyone just kind of waits and watches him get on and go. (laughs) And Janeway's like, okay, I know this was a crazy plan. (laughs) A lot of good people died, but I think we can all agree it was worth it. Does anybody know how to cook? (laughs) Kurtwood Smith gets on screen. He's like, did we do it? 
We did it. <laughs> we did it. And then they like start popping bottles of yeah. Talaxian champagne. They're like, at least you left this behind. Yeah. <laughs> did you notice that that Brad Dourif guy was still there? Yes. What the fuck is that guy doing there? You can't have an extra that looks that much like Brad Dourif. You really can't. It's very confusing, no matter what your contrast settings are. You really cannot do that. But yeah, the, the button on the episode is a shot of a bunch of escape pods departing the ship, and we get the to-be-continued title screen. Yeah. This wasn't a year of hell at all, Ben. It was 73 days. That's like not even half a year. That's I nothing. Know. I could do time like that with my eyes closed. <laughs> That day might still be coming. Tuvok did do time like that with his eyes closed. (laughs) (laughs) Did you like this episode, Adam? I don't know about you, Ben, but I'm going to wait until I get the whole year. Wow. Brave. You're telling me I got to judge year of hell by 73 days? I don't have enough information (laughs) to make a judgment like that but i will say based on this episode it is very affecting to see just a greater and greater level of damage happen to the ship like it it surprised me how much i was feeling for the ship yeah because the ship is a character on a star trek show and when you see the exterior and then you see what the insides look like and and you see your favorite characters just get hurt and grow beards, and break their china. Like, Mm. it's tough to watch people you care about suffer. And so I like feeling something when I see an episode of television, and I felt things here when I watched all this play out. So I think it's a strong episode for that reason. I really agree. I think that everything you said is stuff that I would have said if uh, if I had gone first. So Hmm. let's leave it at that and go check the P1 inbox. Wow. I got it exactly right. Yeah, you nailed it, buddy. (laughs) Wow. I will say it's not the year of hell that I remembered. I must have been thinking of some other episode. Yeah? Were you remembering year of hell part two, maybe? Maybe. I was remembering all this stuff to do with the holodeck being part of year of hell. But that must have been something else. Yeah. So, we'll figure it out. Yeah, you know what? Not all years of hell, Ben. Hmm. Hashtag yes, all Voyagers, Adam. Let's go check the P1 inbox and see what is going on in there. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first P1 is of a personal nature. It's from Tiny Teeth, and it's to Juicy Butt. Goes like this. Since I forgot to get you a wedding gift last year, I figured I should get you something now that we're finally having our celebration. You're more honorable than Worf, more supportive than Chakotay, and 1,000% a better husband than O'Brien. Oh, how dare you. I love you. Also, I know you don't watch the pod regularly, but what my theory presupposes is maybe you will? (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like Juicy Bud is pretty great up to a point. Yeah, Juicy Butt could be doing better. Yeah, I mean, a thousand percent better husband than O'Brien. I don't know about that. And also, some percentage less than a hundred percent great based on their Mm. not having watched any Greatest Gen. I mean, O'Brien sets a high bar. (laughs) 
I think O'Brien's great. What did he ever do in the husband department? I don't know. He's got a... I feel like he, he kind of has a juicy butt, too. So Yeah. A couple, couple of thick haggis back there. I mean, you can interpret this comment in, in more than one way. You can interpret it as a huge slam on O'Brien, or you can interpret it as O'Brien setting a high bar, and different observers will have different experiences of the yeah. O'Brien character. Yeah, Miriam interpretations, Ben, you're right. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Juicy Butt, on being uh, married to Tiny Teeth for a year. They sound awesome. Ben, our second priority one message is from Greg. It is to Ben and Adam. The message goes like this. I discovered the Drunk Shimoda podcasts right before my deployment to Afghanistan. Wow. Loved every minute of my journey to get caught up. Promised I would support the shows when I caught up during the Max Fun Drive, so I bought the message and a membership. Thanks for the great show, guys, and for helping me pastime on deployment. Thank you, Greg. That's a really great thing to hear. I can't believe you caught all the way up. Yeah, I mean... I hope you weren't going on patrol with your earbuds in. That's dangerous as hell. Yeah, I'm not sure we're doing any favors over there. <laughs> Keep your head on a swivel and your, uh, you know, maybe play it off the speaker on your phone in your <laughs> breast pocket or something. Yeah. The uh, enemy combatants are like, what the hell is that crap? Let's get out of here so we don't have to listen to any more of it. Yeah, our show is being used as a form of torture. <laughs> Well, if you'd like to get a Priority One message, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron to get it, and we really appreciate it. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time, but I don't like bullets, I don't like threats, and I don't like you. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? I gotta give it to Janeway for that moment of chutzpah when they radio up the other ship and she's just like so full of fucking confidence because their time shield worked once. <laughs> yeah, the, that was uh, big fun. The look on her face, the wry smile, just mm, chef's kiss. Great stuff by Kate Mulgrew all through this. I mean, we just watched an episode where she's playing a different kind of haggard. <laughs> this is like, that was like inauthentic drug-induced Haggard. This is the real deal Holyfield yeah. Haggard. And yeah. uh, she's great. She's so much fun to watch in this episode. How about you? I mean, Janeway's my pick, but for a different moment, there is a moment of banger hair that is crazy good. I know, I know the moment you're talking about. <laughs> she Janeway hits the ground and then has to get up and she gets up. Here's the thing, like when you when you part your hair asymmetrically if you get up on the part side down the you have so much float coming over the top i'm demonstrating for you and the viewers mm -hmm. at home mm -hmm. that it just gets big and when she gets up off of the ground in this way because of her part her hair is enormous here yeah yeah it's like a picked out afro for yeah. a second <laughs> and so her big hair dust off moment in the middle of this episode <laughs> <laughs> was uh, was great, and that earns my Shimoda. Like, unintentionally yeah. funny. I feel like this is one of the key advantages of her new Luke, is yeah. like, if your hair's not tied back, it can do way more fun shit with it. Yeah. And it looks great. It rules. Well, that's Drunk Shimoda's, Adam. We got to talk about our next episode. It's season four, episode nine, Year of Hell, part two. Working with only a skeleton crew, Captain Janeway desperately attempts to repair Voyager, in order to stop Anorax. Kind of a pre-skeleton crew, mm. in a way, huh? Mm. <laughs> but then again, aren't we all? Wow. Deep. 
Yeah. Anorax is the plural of a type of raincoat, right? Do you think I would be the worst philosophy professor because I would just say shit like that? Like, I couldn't help but, like, smirk through saying stuff and, like, none of my students would respect me or like me for it. I think so. I'd have a classroom full of Ben Harrisons just going, hmm, great. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) So glad I'm uh, paying $50,000 a semester for this crap. (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst decision I've ever made in my life. Going into fucking massive lifelong debt for this shit? Yeah. Give me a break. Adam, I'm over at gach.biz slash game, where we keep the game of buttholes. The will of the caretaker. And our runabout is currently on square six, a regular square. There's a caretaker square a few spaces ahead of us. And I think I could also hit a Coco Nono, which would be very interesting given the fact that you still are in debt one Coco Nono. Wow, I'd, I'd forgotten a, about that. A previous episode. No, I'm not going to let you thanks forget. Thanks for the Biden. reminder. Hey, don't worry about it. Hmm. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone. I don't even know what happens if we hit the Coco No-No. Like, that might cause us to move outside of the time-space continuum or something. Yeah. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I hit it. <laughs> you rolled a six? Antidote. I roll the six, baby. What does it mean? It means omerta. It means rewenge. I don't know what to do about this. I feel like maybe what we should do is have you do a Coco No-No on the next episode. And then just like, I mean, we probably have to record two episodes next week, right? Yeah. So maybe you and have make to- make this the first one? Like- I have to I have to stay drunk into the second ep. Yeah, yeah. Something but like that. But then you will too. No, but then you keep drinking in the second ep. Oh, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Or you could or you could be drinking in the in that first step that we record and You know what? I have uh, a pretty great idea for what I'm going to do to square up okay. the Coco no no debt. You ready for the big idea? This is going to even us up, Ben. Okay? Okay. Get Let's this. Hear it. Get You're going to pour a, a glass of wine in a coconut and call that square? Get this, Ben. Two coconuts. <laughs> no! I think that works. I would do two coconuts just on a regular coconut. Two no coconuts, episode. Ben. I think that's, no, that squares it's the ledger. Bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> it will not stand. <laughs> this is what you get. We don't we don't have a, a game of buttholes constitution, so it's up mm. to my interpretation, Ben. Mm. Well, we'll see when Bill Tilly makes a poll when this episode comes out, if yeah. your idea is good or if your idea is bullshit. Yeah, I I just happen to be someone who does not care about the will of the people mm. in a wow. in a situation like this. Yeah. Where were you on January sixth? <laughs> Drinking out of two coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> coconut helmet yeah adam we got to thank a lot of people who help us get the show to the folks every week got to thank Wendy pretty our producer got to thank bill tilly our social media director he's running the at greatest trek accounts on instagram and twitter both distinct and fun follows right it's not like the it's not duplicative right if you're nope. following the twitter you're not going to see the same shit as you see on the insta and vice versa precisely you might see some of the same shit, but there's a lot of different shit. Yeah. That's what's good about it. 
Those are people who are obligated to support us because they're employees. Mm. But you, the viewer out there, you're not obligated to support us, but we'd appreciate it if you did. Yeah, if you enjoy getting this show for free every week and uh, add something to your week, if you look forward to your Monday morning commute because you get to pop a greatest gen on, hey, what's five bucks a month? That uh, seems worth it, right? Five bucks makes it right. Maximumfun.org slash join for that. Also, if you're in the market for a food podcast, how about listening to Adam Ragusea's new food podcast, Ragusea Podcast? Yeah. He's where, a, he, where we are frequent guests. Frequently, we're guests. On All the that. time. And uh, we uh, really appreciate his hard work on the original theme music for this show. He's, he's cooking up something in the lab for us right now that we can't reveal just yet, but I'm really excited about it. My favorite segment on his show, Mistake of the Week. <laughs> where we are frequent guests. <laughs> we got to thank Nick Ditmore for making the uh, show art for The Greatest Generation. Sure do. If you uh, want to join a community of Friends of DeSoto, you can probably find one on any social network. We're on Truth. We're on Gab. We're on Parlor. I mean, Adam is. Adam is on those three. But right. uh, the If you good want to people... be friends with me, that's, that's where you find me. <laughs> If you don't care about the will of the people, yeah. try join a group of friends of DeSoto on there. Uh, otherwise, join them on DrunkShimoto.com or Reddit or Facebook. Yeah, uh, Check out the Greatest Gen Wikia. All of that stuff is a ton of fun. We hear it all the time. People are making really great friends with other friends of DeSoto on the internet. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager where you find out what happened with our plumbing. That's the real cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. A couple of plumbing cliff kids yeah. here. Tune back in for Pipes of Hell, part two. <laughs> make, 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 make it show. Make it show. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.